Welcome to the weekly NFL Reaction Show podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to this past week's NFL action. We will share our opinions on the NFL, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack football, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson, fired up to be here on a Monday following an NFL weekend as we will unpack football, faith, and life. Some big topics to get into. We'll we'll do our faith topics surrounding the Colts, the Browns, and the Cowboys and how it's same old, same old for those three teams with the Colts more focused on Phillip Rivers. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. Also, I'll explain what it was like to watch Washington and New England win while the Panthers lost. Plus, Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, 0-1. But we will start with the biggest surprises from the weekend, some of the big takeaways from the first Sunday and, and let me quickly thank our sponsor and ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, if you do, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. All right. Hopefully you were able to catch the NFL preview show where I, I shared kind of who I was feeling most confident in to get to the Super Bowl in February but now it's only one game it's week one that's all we've seen and so I'm not ready to you know throw out a a ton of the thoughts that I had just a few days ago where now all of a sudden I I feel completely different uh, about a bunch of teams however I was surprised with how well the Packers looked yesterday really a dominating performance of Minnesota because I thought Minnesota which I still do I think they've got a great team But if Green Bay is going to light it up with 40-plus points this season, if that's a regular thing and they're going to unleash Aaron Rodgers to throw more, especially the big throws. And remember, we've questioned, and I've written about it, is he willing to take risks? Well, he threw some balls down the field, some beautiful throws, getting other receivers involved. Deontay Adams got his. Plus, we saw Alan Lazard. And, uh, and some other guys get involved as well. So the Packers looked good. I was also surprised to see the 49ers lose. Now, I've got them still going to the Super Bowl. I still feel confident in their defense and running game. But Garoppolo is going to have to be better. And, and like, if this becomes a, a weekly trend, then the 49ers will be in trouble. But, but if he can just, some weeks, he's just going to have to step it up. Not every week even. Because some, ga- some games they'll just run so well that he won't have to. But in such a low-scoring game, he needed to make at least a few plays. Now, Kittle being injured hurt them. They don't have all the wide receiver weapons, so we'll, we'll g- everybody's banged up. But we'll, So we'll give him a little bit of a, you know, a grace period on that. But I was surprised the Cardinals won. So good for them. I was also surprised that De- DeAndre Hopkins, which I guess we shouldn't be that surprised, but he had a monster game. So they've got weapons. They've got Fitzgerald. They've got Christian Kirk. But they, they honed in on Hopkins and said, he's our guy. We're going with him. So they were all in on him, which, which was somewhat surprising. But at the same time, 
as good as he is, not too surprising. But game one, come on, already uh, getting him involved in that way is, is pretty major for them. So, and to knock off a division rival, the, the team that was just in the Super Bowl, that was a big win for Arizona to start the season. And I, I get a kick out of Cliff Kingsbury because I don't know if he looks like a movie star on the sidelines, but like his glasses yesterday, there was just something about him that was just like, wait, wait is he a foot? Is he an NFL football coach? Like I, like I don't get it. He looks like he's uh, gearing up for a like a car race. Like he should be in like Fast and Furious or something. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what it is about him, but he's funny. He looks like a, the son of an actor too. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know his name off the top of my head. But anyway, that was a that was a uh, observation in watching a little of the Cardinals game. And then the other big surprise was not that the Bills beat the Jets because and or that the Jets are bad. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. I did think Sam Darnold would look a little better. I mean, come on. Now my boy Jameson Crowder, huge day. Which I'll do the fantasy show later in the week. But but Crowder was awesome for my fantasy team. Uh, glad I started him at least in one league. But the surprise was Josh Allen, over 300 yards. And and I've kind of brought him up a few times. We talked with Eric Wood on the show. He was one of our guests. And I, I, I was high on Devin Singletary going into the year, still not sure what their run game will look like. And they might not be running as much if Josh Allen has the confidence and the team has the confidence in him to throw the ball to, to the degree that he did on Sunday. And, and so they've got the weapons, Diggs, Brown, Beasley, uh, not sure what they'll do at tight end too much, but I guess Croft was their guy. I don't know how much he did. But the the idea that Allen is, is going to take another step, that's the big question. Is he going to be significantly better than last year? And if so, then, yeah, the Bills have a great chance to, to make a run. But let's not get too carried away after one game. We've seen this in years past with the Bills, too, especially. Now, this is, happens every year. Oh, a team starts 4-0, and we're thinking big things. And I remember a few years ago, that was the case with the Bills. So I'm always a little hesitant. I would even say Bills fans are probably that way. So if, uh, if a big fan I know listens to this show, Jeff, shout out to you. But let, let's see if the Bills can continue to equip Allen with the right kind of game plan to where they get the running game going, they allow him to get out in space to kind of uh, use his own legs and then to open up the field to go deep with Diggs and Brown, and then you got Beasley as as that slot guy. I mean, that's that. Those are some pretty good weapons. So again, it was the Jets, and and we'll we'll brace ourselves to to see what the Bills do over the next couple of weeks. All right, another big thing going into the weekend was the Chicago Bears and deciding to go with Trubisky. I am on the Nick Foles bandwagon, and after yesterday's game, I am still on the Nick Foles bandwagon. This is the only thing that could get me off and then onto the Mitch Trubisky bandwagon. It's this. What if that comeback win, they were down 23-6 to to Detroit. He came back, threw a few touchdowns, looked very good, made some great plays. What if the, the switch goes off and now Trubisky has the confidence, the support, the belief in himself first? He, he just seems insecure to me uh, as a quarterback, th- th- just from the outside looking in. But if he actually plays up to his physical abilities with that, that level of, of confidence, then maybe he could be the guy, and maybe he could live up to that top pick. As you can imagine, you know, he, wasn't, he wasn't even as polished as some of the other guys that came out with him, like Deshaun Watson. Watson was ready to go. 
And, and Mahomes, I guess, waited a little bit longer. But to be a part of that draft class, to see those two guys emerge as quickly as they did, Trubisky's behind them. You feel the pressure. I get it. And, and the mental side of it, the emotional side of it, it seems like that's been tough for him. And then they, they bring in Nick Foles as a guy that, that could take his job. That's hard. That's hard for a young quarterback. If the Bears go all in on him and that switch goes off and things just click for him, it happens sometimes with quarterbacks. It really does. However, I'm not willing to go there yet. I look at the 20 of 36. I look at how much he struggled. The other side of it is just the Lions. They stink. They don't know how to win. So they don't know how to win games. They'll let you win. Oh, here you go. Go ahead. Go. You can win. And I'm going to talk about the, the Browns and the Cowboys in a little bit, about the same old, same old. And in the devotional that I wrote today, I actually did not include the Lions. And now I'm thinking back, I should have. Because the Lions, this is what they do all the time. They find a way to lose. Credit Trubisky for the comeback, but I'm just not completely sold unless we see some kind of spark and, and it, it changes everything. So it'll be something to, to look out for, uh, for sure. All right, the other player that I don't trust and going into the season, I was not high on the New Orleans Saints. And so you might th- say, oh, look at week one. They beat Tom Brady and the Bucks. Oh, Saints are going to be awesome. I- I'm not there yet. I'm sorry. Now Mike Thomas is a little banged up. He's going to play through it. But Breeze was 18 of 30. For 160 yards, that's just not going to cut it. I, I really don't think so. I, I know they've got Kamara. I know they've got Murray. Both those guys, it's a nice one-two punch running the, running the ball. Taysom Hill is the most exciting player on that team. I mean, he's one of the coolest players in the league because he's the backup quarterback playing. They showed it all the different last year formations that he was in as tight end, quarterback, receiver, probably even on special teams, different uh, positions. He's a unique player. He's fun to watch, but he can't be the starting guy, I don't, I don't think. I think that would be difficult. And I'm just not sure that Breeze has enough left in the tank to last the full season and to play at the level that, that he'll need to play at for them to not only get back to the playoffs, but it's Super Bowl or bust for them. And I think they're going to fall short of that, and I still believe that following week one, even though they, they won. That brings me to Tampa Bay. I, going into the season, Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, what would that relationship be like? I don't think Brady realized, like I know he appreciated Belichick, and I, and I know that he would credit Belichick for helping him have the Hall of Fame, legendary, GOAT-type career, but at the same time, I think he took Belichick for granted. And I think he'll realize that having, having now been in this situation with Bruce Arians. Because here we go, after week one, Arians is already calling Brady out. This is, this is a quote from Bruce Arians about Brady. He knows how to bounce back. He knew he didn't play very well. It's not what he expects from himself, nor do we expect. I would anticipate him to have a little more grit, a little more determination this week. So maybe I'm overreacting, and of course the rest of the media likes to overreact with, with comments like that. But what I love about Bruce Arians is, He's a straight shooter. He's a great personality, interesting guy. But I just question, okay, is he an elite head coach? Probably not. He's an average head coach. You know, he was okay in Arizona. And what's he really done at Tampa Bay the last year or two, however long he's been there? Um, I guess he was there last, this is maybe his third season, second or third season. But but, but anyway, it's just such a drop-off from Belichick to Arians that him and Brady – it's a new marriage, and at this stage of Brady's career, like to think that he's always oh, going to play with a little more grit and determination. I mean, Brady, every time he steps on the field, is playing with grit and determination. I mean, 
I don't know. I don't want to overreact to the to the quote, but I just I'm curious that, that with this relationship, this dynamic, how, how good can the the Bucks be this year? That they, they looked good early. And that's what was interesting, too, because I think Arians was talking about this in the article I was reading, that, hey, we weren't out of sync because we started off well. And so then just they, they, they weren't on the same page in the second half. And, and, you know, Evans got a nice touchdown late, but he was banged up. They, they got to figure out the run game. We still don't know. I mean, Jones seemed to lead the way. They didn't utilize Fournette that much. Uh, Howard was, it was in the mix. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Bray, I mean, again, he's 43 years old. I'm not real high on the Bucks, and and part of it is just this dynamic between those two. So, all right, let's uh, let's stay in the NFC South though, because I of course watched watch my favorite team, the Panthers, yesterday. They were on one TV, red zone on the other TV. Not that I'm, uh, I, I listen. I was wrong about a bunch of stuff, and we'll, we'll talk about the Colts in, in a moment because I was very wrong, at least after Week One with the Colts. But one thing about the Panthers going into this year, I, I had this feeling that the offense was going to be good enough to put the Panthers in games, but the defense would be kind of the reason that the other team would pull out the win, even in a a tight matchup. Yesterday, the offense for the Panthers looked very good. DJ Moore dropped some passes. They didn't get McCaffrey as involved in the passing game, which may be okay. That, That may not be a bad thing. For fantasy owners, it's like, oh, come on, we want more passes for McCaffrey if you own him. I, I liked Robbie Anderson for him to come in game one as a free agent, look really good. And then Teddy Bridgewater, very comfortable back there. I loved how the ball came out of his hands. It just, it looked sharp. It didn't always land well, I guess, necessarily, but he looked comfortable back there. Uh, you know, some of the chemistry with the, the receivers will have to continue to develop, but the offense was fine. The offense is right there. He, he seemed pretty protected. Uh, with the offensive line, the Raiders were able to run all over the Panthers. So the the Panthers' defense is very young. It's going to take a little time for them to develop. And this season, I don't think the expectation is that the defense is going to stop everybody. So even the Raiders, Derek Carr didn't necessarily throw the ball all over the field, uh, but they ran the ball really well. And so I was kind of, I guess, it lived up to what I thought the, the situation would be for the Panthers this year, at least after one game. The Panthers would be in, the, in a tight game and then lose. They're just not good enough to win. And, and that's kind of how, how this game turned out. But I didn't expect it to be because the Panthers didn't give the ball to Christian McCaffrey on fourth and inches. So we all agree. I, I, don't, I don't even know how you can make an argument. You give the ball to your best player, especially with inches to go, figure it out. Whatever the call is, whatever the play call is, up the middle, around the side, through the, through the river, whatever. Get the ball to McCaffrey over the river, through the woods. Just get the ball to McCaffrey. And, and so that was disappointing to lose that way because the fullback gets a handoff and the Raiders get the stop. They hang on to the win. I, even though I think the defense will probably cost the, the game more so for the Panthers, the, the offense takes a hit on this one, the play call. It, it just wasn't great. And, and so it was unfortunate because th- and this is what's going to be challenging as a Panthers fan this year. We're going to get excited with the feeling that Oh, we might actually win this game. Oh, look at this. We could win this game. And then it was going to be ripped out from underneath us. We'll, we'll get emotionally invested thinking, oh, yeah, this could be the, the, the one. And then we fall short. And, and that, that, that's going to be a, th- a thread or a theme this year, I'm afraid. But at the same time, we know this is a rebuild. Let, let's give the Panthers time, new coaching staff. At least they look like they're, they're an NFL team. Very competitive. This isn't the New York Jets. This isn't who else looked bad. I mean, really, the Jets were the only team that looked terrible yesterday. 
Um, everybody else at least looked looked decent. Even the Lions, I mean, they're without Kenny Galladay, and, and they got something out of Adrian Peterson. Uh, and Swift scored a touchdown. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited about the potential for the Panthers. But the offense, they'll be, in, they'll be right there. They're, they're right there in the mix of an average NFL offense. And then when McCaffrey's really going, he's, he's one of the best, if not the best, running back in the league. And, and one of the best offensive weapons, period. And so when you have an MVP caliber top elite player, you're going to be in games. You're going to be right there in the mix. There's no question about it. So don't write the Panthers off. They'll, they'll get a couple surprise wins, and, uh, but they'll have some heartbreaking losses throughout the season. So as a Panthers fan yesterday, I had the emotions of that game, and then I had to watch Washington win with former head coach Ron Rivera and then New England win with former Panthers quarterback Cam Newton. So it was just kind of bizarre to see Rivera on the sideline with the, the burgundy and gold and then Cam Newton running up the gut for touchdowns for, for the Patriots and slamming the ball and doing all of his uh, antics in another jersey. But, but I'll admit, I'm happy for both of those guys. They, they were nothing but great for, for the Panthers. Now, there are a few things that Cam did I, I, I've told you about that, that just it got old and the, the, the towel on the head and the, the, the headdresses it just wasn't my favorite for a starting quarterback, franchise quarterback, especially in the city of Charlotte. It just, it just didn't it, that, some of that, some of the extra stuff didn't fit, but Cam was awesome, man. He was so good for the community. He, he really was a good guy here and, and players seemed to, to like him and I, it, it was good. So good for him in New England. I don't second-guess the decision for the Panthers to move on from him. It was still the right decision. For, they needed to go a different direction, and he needed a fresh start. And because he's healthy, he's going to play well. But can he stay healthy? That's the key for him. And, and New England gets it. They, he has to run. Belichick's such a good coach. He understands. Cam Newton, if he wants to be productive and successful, has to run the ball. There comes a risk with that. He may get injured, and he may be out. But if he's healthy, you keep running him. He got 15 carries. That will probably continue until he gets hurt. And hopefully he doesn't for his sake and for the Patriots' sake. But that's, that's, how, that's how he is used the best. He can make some throws and all that kind of thing, but he's got to run the ball. He's dangerous. He's still as, as much of a threat as anybody in the league. And really, you'd rather him run even more than Lamar Jackson, even though... Cam's been injured. I mean, his body is still solid, whereas Jackson's still smaller. Kyler Murray, to me, are still smaller guys. But Cam's had you know, a pretty long career, 9, 10 years. He's, ta- he's taken a beating throughout that time. So it's interesting to, I mean, especially that you can second guess why you would run him because of the wear and tear, but you just, you have to embrace that because otherwise, if you think he's going to stand back there like Tom Brady in his prime and just you know, dink and dunk and find the, the, the quick open receiver. That's just not his style. That's not how he plays. Um, or is he going to stand there in the pocket like that? No, he's going to go out and run. And then he'll get every short yardage play that you need. The Panthers yesterday, fourth and inches, could have used Cam on that play. I mean, they got Christian, so they should have done him. But, but Cam, he's the best short yardage back in the league. Quarterback, running back, you name it. Cam Newton is the guy in short, short yardage situations. Give him the ball. So New England... You got to enjoy that yesterday, so so good for you guys. All right, one last thought, and then we'll get to the faith thought. The the Jamie Collins ejection with the Detroit Lions doesn't really matter in the scheme of things, but it just kind of bothered me. 
he touched the ref. He was explaining what was going on. I, I don't. It didn't appear that he was trying to hit the ref. Everybody knows not to hit the ref unless you see somebody blatantly go after the ref and they know they're doing it and they expect to get tossed and that's a whole other story and I, I'm not even sure when the last time that's happened. What he was doing to eject him for that, let, let's let's just be reasonable. I think in life we just need to be a little bit more reasonable about things, but we we get so. You can get so rigid. Like, I'm, I'm a rule follower. I am. There are rules in the in the NFL playbook or whatever, and I get it, the rule book. And so, yeah, you don't want players touching the refs, and that's the rule. You, you get that. You understand that. But if there was no intent and it was like, oh, no, he was explaining, really, give him a warning. I don't know. I, I just, that, that didn't sit well with me. And, and it goes back to, to Novak Djokovic last week in tennis and, and him being thrown out uh, for something that he – he wasn't trying to hurt the official, and then he got kicked out of the tournament. Again, it's just some of that stuff, you just got to be a little bit more reasonable. Uh, again, I'm all for rules. Uh, sometimes it's just like, come on, really? We're going to kick this guy out of the game? We're, or in tennis, we're going to kick out the best player for that? He didn't mean to. He, he, was, he was quickly apologetic. If he was chasing after, hitting, hit, direct, you know, turn around and whack, that's one thing. Um, it, on purpose, and it was evident. So anyway, uh, side note, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to uh, get that off my chest a little bit. Where, where do you come out on that? I'd be curious. Uh, Bryce at unpackingit.com is the email. Final segment here on this, this Monday recap show, and, and we'll do this show throughout the, the football season, and, and we'll talk about the big stories from the weekend. We'll, we'll go heavy on the NFL. We'll, we'll do some college football in there as well. Love love college football. My Mountaineers won, actually in a tight one. It was rainy to the Charlotte 49ers, but good to see App State still ranked in the top 25. Uh, big win for them. I also keep up with Clemson. Uh, glad they got the win as well. But here, here's the final thought for today. I wrote this in the devotional, and, and we call it Unpack This. And if you haven't subscribed to receive the email devotional, you can do so on unpackingit.com. We send out Monday through Friday a, a quick thought about sports and, and how it relates to the Bible and our own lives. And, and then on the show, we'll, we'll pick one to, to unpack a little bit further. And so I want to talk about three teams specifically. And it's the Cowboys and, and the Browns and then Phillip Rivers with the Colts. And yesterday, you know, all three of these teams came into the year with a new regime, a fresh start for the Browns. It's a, it's a new head coach, and, and the Cowboys' new head coach. With the, the Colts, it's a new quarterback in Phillip Rivers. And, and so there's an excitement, there's a, a hope that these teams will look different this year. But after one game, and again, it's only one game, but after one game, it's same old, same old. The Browns, the offense can't get going, six points. Are you kidding me? They have so many weapons. It's unbelievable that they have OBJ, Austin Hooper, Chubb, and your backup is Kareem Hunt. Are you kidding me? Jarvis Landry. The, the offense is so loaded. And then to get blown out by the Ravens. I know the Ravens are good, but it was disappointing for, for the Browns. With Dallas, again, this offense, so loaded. My, my boy Zeke was great for me for fantasy, but... And I was going up against Dak, which helped as well. Come on, Dallas. You got to be better than that. You got to at least put up more points 
this that was a weird game with this guy. It seemed more low scoring than than it should have been with the Rams and the Cowboys. We want to see the Cowboys, or at least as a fan, just a fan of the NFL, to maximize what they have on that team. They, it was same old, same old. Mike McCarthy, Jason Garrett. It's a, a floundering offense that that doesn't seem to be as great as it could be in, in what we look at, at least on paper. So they fell short. And then lastly, Philip Rivers has been known for his interceptions during crunch time. Inopportune interceptions has been the story of his career, at least with with San Diego, L.A. Chargers. And as good of a quarterback as he is, for whatever reason, down the stretch, he always falls back to throwing it just to the wrong receiver where it's double coverage or he doesn't put enough on it makes a bad decision, and it's just unfortunate. You thought maybe it was just because of the Chargers. That's why Phillip Rivers was doing that. And here he goes to Indy. It's a fresh start. It's a new team. Things are going to be different. And I'm all in on the Colts. I thought this was going to be the, the you know just a great signing and the Colts could potentially even go to the Super Bowl. And I'm not jumping off that bandwagon just yet. But after one week, with 4.30 left in the fourth quarter, Phillip Rivers threw an interception, and the Colts lost to the Jaguars, the team that was tanking, allegedly, that, that we thought they were done, but there goes Gardner Minshew lighting it up, and the Jags and, and their defense getting the big stop. And so it was, it was crazy to think that Rivers reverted back to what he's been known for in his past. The past mistakes, they reared their ugly head in week one with the Colts. I say all of that not as as doom and gloom for those three teams because I, I still think they're all talented enough to bounce back. Uh, but if but if they're going to move forward with success this season, they have to learn from their their past mistakes. They've got to overcome the previous mindsets, and they've got to believe that they've been giving given a fresh start. They don't have to be the same team anymore. So they've got to overcome that. They they can't just be the same old Browns. They can't be the same old Cowboys. Things have to be different this year. And Phillip Rivers has to overcome whatever happens in that fourth quarter. That's not who I am anymore. I'm in Indy, and things are going to be different here. And so we'll see how that plays out for them. You know, hopefully it's just a, a one-week slip-up, and, and they can realize uh, that, that they just need to adjust and, and not look back and, and stop repeating the, the same pattern uh, that's taken place you know, year after year, basically. For you and I, you know, we may be quick to criticize these teams for their same old, same old performance yesterday, but I want to challenge us to address the areas of our lives that, that we find ourselves going back to our old ways. And this is pretty graphic, but in Proverbs it says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. And so we can't go back. We, we don't need to repeat our mistakes from the past. And if we're followers of Jesus, we've been made new in Christ and have been given a completely new outlook on life. Now, unfortunately, some of our old ways and previous mindsets can creep in, and they can entice us to do what we used to do. And so we face a battle between our sinful nature versus God's Spirit that's within us as a follower of Jesus. And so by God's grace through Jesus, we are ultimately victorious over the power of sin. And thankfully, he gives us the ability to combat the temptations 
to, to go back to our old way. So, so we can fight against those temptations that say, hey, go back to your old way. You're just who you used to be. And, and we, those, those lies can creep in and say, oh, you're never going to change. You're always going to be the, the guy that throws interceptions. You're always going to be the team that, that, that can't win. You know, those types of things, and, and you could personalize that for yourself. But, but we have to, to recognize we don't have to go back there. We don't have to let those lies take over in our minds. As it says in um, uh, Galatians, you know, we, we have this power in us, and, and so Paul encourages us to, to, he says, walk habitually, and this is the amplified version, so there's added words just to help with the meaning of it, but he says, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance, and then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. And so we've got to walk by the Spirit, not our flesh, because when we, we lean into our flesh, we're going to be like our, our old sinful nature. But we've been given this, this new nature, that this new spirit within us to guide us and give us the strength and power we need to resist temptation, to, to, to follow God's way, to be obedient, and to live this new thriving life. And so, uh, you know, it's, uh, you can read the devotional. Uh, there's another verse, Romans 6, uh, a few verses, Romans 6, 6 through 11. Uh, so I encourage you to check that out as well. But let's see, I'll just read this part. Uh, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And so that's the freedom that we have in Christ. And so while continuing to follow him, let's confidently know we don't have to repeat last season's mistakes, quote unquote. But by His strength and His Spirit, we can thrive in our new lives. Even on the weeks when our, our past sucks us in and we throw the costly interception because we reverted to our old ways, His grace covers us. So today, let's remember that when we pursue Christ, He grows us and changes us so we're no longer who we used to be and we can leave the same old, same old behind. So I'm Bryce Johnson. You can unpack that. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Unpacking It podcast. I hope you have the, a great rest of your day. We will talk to you uh, this week. Hopefully a, a guest or two will, will join us in the next few days, as well as the second episode of the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast. So if you didn't check out the first one, be looking out for the second one, and, and we'll be doing those throughout the, the, the season as well. Uh, a lot of big, big stuff happening in fantasy, as always. A great start to the season. Overall, I had a pretty good weekend, uh, so excited about that with, uh, with fantasy. Have a great one. As always, I like to remind you as we wrap this up, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. This is Unpacking It. We'll talk to you next time.